Thank you, Ken. It is those readings where there are a whole lot of difficult names, but I'm glad that someone else is doing it. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the office of deacon. And we ask that You would be our teacher this morning as we open Your Word and uh, seek from You to uh, hear uh, what um, the responsibilities and uh, office of a deacon is all about. Um, in so doing, um, use the deacons of our church to build up the body of Christ here in our local congregation. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. The early uh, 20th century preacher, G. Campbell Morgan, once said in commenting on this passage here in Acts chapter 6, he says, "...the church is a perfect organism, possessed of all the organs necessary for the fulfilling of her God-given purpose." He was speaking of the worldwide church uh, when he was uh, speaking here, um, and G. Campbell Morgan was saying that God has given the church everything that is necessary to carry out His will. The church is made up of redeemed sinners, and therefore the greatest struggles that the church has is um, the struggles that we bring on ourselves because we are sinners. Redeemed, but yet sinners all the same. The church faces opposition from Satan. It also faces opposition from the world. Yet, in spite of the fact we are sinners, in spite of the fact that Satan opposes the church, in spite of the fact that the world opposes the church, God will accomplish all of His purposes through His church. The church lacks nothing necessary uh, or nothing that is necessary for His will to be completed. And this applies to Westminster as well. We are a miniature model of the universal church. Westminster Presbyterian Church is a perfect organism possessed of all, possessed of all the organs necessary for the, filling, for the fulfilling of God's of our God-given purpose. You may be surprised to learn that we're one of the larger congregations in the Brandon area as we um, average between 125 and 140 um, people in worship each Sunday. There are a few churches uh, that are so large that they make us, of course, seem very tiny in comparison. But uh, statistically speaking, the median church has 75 regular participants in worship on Sunday morning. This means that half of all churches have 75 or less people in worship on a regular basis. And of course, that means the opposite is true, that um, the other half of the churches have 75 or more in worship uh, each Sunday. We think of ourselves as a smaller church, and we like that identity because we uh, want to emphasize that we are a church family. But I point out that we are larger than most churches to underscore that we have a complete mix 
of spiritual gifts here at Westminster. We are a complete organism, uh, possessed of everything that we need in order to fulfill our God-given purpose. We are lacking no one or no thing that we need to fulfill our God-given purpose. So listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4-7. through There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that there is a division of labor according to the division of gifts. But all of our various gifts, all of the various things that we do in the church is to serve the common good, to build uh, us up in, in Jesus Christ, and then to fulfill the mission that He has given us. The Holy Spirit has gifted each and every one of you who are in Jesus Christ. And He has gifted you in such a way that Westminster Presbyterian Church as a whole is completely fitted to carry out our God-given purpose. I keep mentioning our God-given purpose or our God-given calling. What is our God-given calling? Well, that's easy. We are called by God to carry out the Great Commission. Or to put it another way, our mission is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verses 18-20. through I read it earlier in the service. All authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus says, has been given to Me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so this is the mission that that Christ has given us. This is the exact mission that He gave to the early church as well. The early church recognized that to accomplish this mission that God had given them to disciple the nations, that there must be a division of labor based on the varying gifts given to the church. So the apostles, they had their gifts, and their gifts determined their job description. They had a very clear and succinct job description. In our text here in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, they said, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. In other words, the apostles and elders, they knew that their job description was to be in prayer and in the ministry of the Word. And so they could not afford to be distracted with anything else. And so they are uh, are pushing forward this idea of the division of labor. We have our job, and so we need to choose some other people uh, for, uh, for their job. The apostles knew that for the church to fulfill her God-given mission, that they had to devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of preaching and of teaching. They could not allow anything 
to distract them from this important job. But of course, a distraction did arise. A conflict came about that threatened to distract the apostles from their God-given task. The conflict came about because of a complaint from the Hellenistic Jews against the Hebraic Jews in the church. Hellenistic Jews were Jews that combined Greek culture along with their Jewish faith. Uh, Specifically, Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek as their main language. And the complaint that the Hellenistic Jews uh, brought forward had to do with the food distribution. No nation has been as... um, as more concerned for the poor and the needy among them than the Jewish people. And so in the synagogue, there was a long-standing practice where they would receive uh, food and they would receive uh, money that was to be used specifically for meeting the needs of the poor or the needy uh, within the nation of Israel. Um, In the synagogue, they would make sure that everyone had at least two meals a day for the entire week. And since the newly formed church was formed out of, um, basically out of the synagogue there in Jerusalem, then they took up this same practice of taking up collections and, and of money and food for the poor. It's very much like our deacons fund, our deacons collections after uh, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Those monies don't do not go into the general budget. They go into a separate uh, bank account that's managed by the deacons, so that uh, they can meet the needs of the poor or the needy as uh, different needs arise. So this food that was being collected would then be distributed out specifically, uh, in this case, to the widows. And so you had uh, Hebrew uh, Jewish widows and you had Hellenistic Jewish widows. And the Hellenistic Jewish widows felt like they were being overlooked in the food distribution. This is actually a good problem to have. Uh, The reason for the dispute was the rapid growth of the church. Their uh, management uh, and administration couldn't keep up with the growth of the church. G. Campbell Morgan remarked in regard to this passage that although the church was an organism and perfectly equipped, it was not completely organized, not perfectly working. There was a defect somewhere, but to use a medical distinction, it was a functional trouble, not an organic one. But of course, Satan is very opportunistic. He's always looking for an opportunity to uh, drive divisions among God's people. If he could distract the apostles, then the church would stop growing. John Stott said, If Satan could preoccupy the apostles with social administration, which though essential was not their calling, they would neglect their God-given responsibilities to pray and to preach and so leave the church without any defense against false doctrine. So the apostles came up with a plan. They proposed to the congregation that the congregation choose seven men from among them to oversee the distribution. 
It was an administrative task that was given to these seven men. They were not necessarily to do the work. They were simply to make sure that it was carried out faithfully and fairly. These seven men were the first deacons in the church. And it's important for us to pause and consider the qualifications that the church looked for uh, in these deacons. So look at verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and full of wisdom. So these were the three qualifications. Uh, They had to have a solid Christian character. Uh, They had to be recognized as full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. To be full of the Holy Spirit uh, doesn't mean that they were super Christians. Being full of the Holy Spirit is to be the Christian norm. Being a Christian with anything less than the fullness of the Spirit is to have an unhealthy and spiritually diseased uh, life um, as a Christian. So they they were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of wisdom. You know, when we look at look for deacons in the church, oftentimes we look for men with a good, strong back, really good with a hammer, a mechanical disposition. But this is not in the job description. The job description is men full of wisdom, and they are they were chosen here. Not to pick up the meals, take the meals to the to the widows, make sure that everything uh, that everybody was eating uh, by the, the work that they were doing. Rather, they were to oversee it. Their work was a spiritual and an administrative task. They didn't necessarily have to be the one distributing the food. As deacons. Um, with your task being spiritual and administrative, one of the things as you do do your work, whether it's uh, work out here on the grounds, whether it's decisions about uh, different uh, property issues and and things like that, uh, always keep before you that your chief priority is to ask what is best for Christ's kingdom. That is always your priority. Uh, And then ask, how can God's work be done efficiently and effectively? And the temptation will be, as you're the deacons, and it's your job to do all the work yourself. Um, And uh, Vivian, don't let him give in to that kind of thinking. Rather, your question should be, who is best suited to do the work? Because there are other people in the congregation that might be much more suited to do the work. Uh, And you go and you tap them and ask them to do uh, this or that job. And what they're doing is oftentimes they're putting their spiritual gifts, they're putting their talents to work, and uh, they are blessed, and the church is blessed, the kingdom of God is blessed. So um, from time to time, the uh, deacons will certainly, they should come looking to the congregation. And uh, the congregation then should be ready and willing 
to help them carry out their God-given task. So, uh, this is what uh, was proposed to them. Uh, Notice that the apostles, if you look at the text uh, closely, the apostles left the choice of the seven to the congregation. And so then the church did something remarkable. They sought the Lord and they chose seven Greek-speaking men to oversee the food distribution. You look here at this list. Um, Ken did a great job reading them, and I won't do as good a job. But uh, in verse 5, this list of men, they have Greek names. They were Greek-speaking men. Who brought the complaint? The Greek-speaking Jews. And so by, by choosing Greek-speaking men the complaint automatically went away because the Greek-speaking widows knew that these Greek-speaking men would, uh, would look out for their concerns. But these men are full of the Holy Spirit. They are, they've got a, a great reputation. They're not going to favor the, the Greek-speaking uh, widows over the, the, the Hebraic uh, or Hebrew-speaking uh, Jews. And in other words, everything went uh forward fairly and very efficiently. The Hebrew-speaking Jews, they were the majority, but they chose the minority to be uh, over the distribution uh, of the food. How many conflicts would be resolved if people would be willing to give up their self-interest and give up their rights in favor of another. That reminds me of someone in Philippians chapter 2. The Lord Jesus Christ, who though being equal with God, did not count His equality with God something to be grasped, but gave Himself. He emptied Himself and gave Himself for us. Though Jesus knew no sin, He became sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And then it says that um, in verse 6, they put these seven men before the apostles and they they prayed and laid their hands upon them. And by doing this, what the apostles were doing were, were saying they were identifying the work of these deacons with the work of the elders. By laying hands on them, they were conferring the apostles' authority and responsibility to them. Not their job, but their responsibility to carry out the job and the task that they have been given to do. Um, the work of the deacons and how the deacons relate to the session is an interdependent work. The deacons aren't out doing their thing and the session doing their thing. It has to be an interdependent work in order that the common good of the church and the uh, common work of the ministry out to our community would go forward. And that Jesus Christ would be glorified through our interdependent work one with another. And so, um, deacons, 
the session does want to give you all the freedom and support to do your work effectively. What they did was they addressed the dysfunction. And notice what happened when they addressed this dysfunction, this conflict between the uh, Hellenistic uh, Jewish widows and the Hebraic Jewish widows. Verse 7, And the word of of God continued to increase. Why was it able to increase? Because the apostles were able to keep their focus. So the Word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. This one conflict between one subset of the church could have distracted the apostles, could have distracted the church away from their God-given mission to make disciples of the nations. Instead, they addressed it and the, the, the work of uh, the gospel pressed forward. Uh, Mike, I'm speaking to you, but I'm also speaking to the other deacons here in our church. Deacons, prioritize your work around the purpose of the church. And the purpose of the church is making disciples of the nations. Administrate your service effectively. And by that I mean call on others. Don't be bashful in asking for the congregation's help. And congregation, know when they come asking, they are asking for the kingdom's sake and not their own sake. Deacons, also... Don't spend all your time doing the typical deacon's work. And um, I know I'm speaking to the choir here when I speak to the deacons because our deacons have done a fabulous job. Uh, the, the, the deacons class we just had with uh, William Matthew and, and Bill Peck and, and Ed Allen, they didn't just do mechanical work they and and work around the church they did a lot of work the congregation doesn't know about uh, a lot of of mercy and service that they have done in the community and also here among our congregation but it never gets talked about um, it's funny we get a lot of people coming in and off the street wanting uh, assistance and by policy, the session said, I'm, I'm not the one to ever make those decisions because you know those things would get me distracted off of what I'm supposed to do um, because we have so many of these uh, situations as the, the economy's been uh, so poor for a number of years. So anyway, we call the deacons. The deacons will go and meet with a, that person. And these people who come in wanting just assistance, They've come back to me and they said, well, I didn't want people to get in, into my business. And really what the deacons are doing is, is sharing the gospel with these families. And I just found out that one of these families that uh, the deacons uh, counted as a, a defeat, that one of these families has gotten back into church, their marriage was about to fall apart, and they are doing real well. And I just heard this report uh, from 
uh, one of the PCA pastors um, up in North Tampa that uh, when this this family found their way into uh, to their congregation, and uh, it was the work that the deacons did in their in this family's life that really seemed to be for naught. Um, the Lord has used that to turn this family around. Stephen and Philip are two men here in this in verse five, and we meet Stephen and Philip later in the scriptures. We meet uh, Stephen, um, in fact, in verse eight. He's standing up, not doing work around the church. He's standing up in the synagogue preaching, and he ended up being stoned in chapter seven. And then Philip in chapter eight. He's out preaching the gospel all over the place. And so he's a deacon, but he's not just limiting himself to the physical work of the church. And so deacons, um, don't spend all your time just doing the typical deacon's work. And Mike, I want to give you a specific charge um, before we uh, have you up to... uh, to ordain you. And that is, uh, you seem to have a gift for management. In other words, for keeping things moving. And I want to encourage you in that. Don't let the work um, get bogged down. Keep the deacons moving. Um, And uh, as I said uh, before, also, don't get so busy doing the manual labor that's usually associated with being a deacon that you're unable to share the gospel. Or don't get so bogged down in the things around the church that you neglect your wife and your your um, your duties as a a citizen, um, a Christian citizen here in our community. Uh, but keep the deacons moving. I think you'll do a great job of that. I'm, I'm a, a, a George Patton fan. And he said, The best is the enemy of the good. By this I mean a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. War is a very simple thing and the determining characteristics are self-confidence, speed, and audacity. None of these things can ever be perfect, but they can be good. And so if uh, the deacons get bogged down and they're waiting for the perfect plan to come along, keep them moving because I think you have a real skill at that. With that said... um, I want to move us into the ordination part of the sermon by uh, having us sing the uh, first three verses of Jesus with thy church abide. And then I will um, call us to order with the uh, specific duties of